everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Grace Atwood. And today we have an episode of burnout. And if this is any <laughs> indication of Becca and I's state right now, where we both like tried to record this intro, outro, and talked over each other the whole time. Yeah, this is a more personal episode about burnout. So two weeks ago, we had Anne Helen Peterson on the podcast, who is somewhat of an expert on burnout and has written a book on the subject. And we were talking about burnout more from an academic perspective or theoretical perspective, but it felt like a topic that was worth digging into from a personal level too, because it's something we both have experience with and potentially one of us is experiencing currently. (laughs) So I feel like, you know, it's something that's so much a part of the cultural zeitgeist right now with the pandemic and, and kind of all the added stressors that that's added onto people's plates in addition to what they were dealing with before. So We wanted to dig in there from a personal level. But before we get into the episode, this episode is sponsored by the makers of our all-time favorite pillow, Night. And we're sharing some pretty major news from the brand. And if you didn't hear us talk about it in the last ad, here's a hint. It's colorful news. And we'll tell you all about it a little later in the episode. But don't forget, use the code NIGHTBOP for 20% off at discovernight.com. But before we get into talking about burnout, should we do some highs and lows? Yes. What's your high? I have like five highs. I have a lot of highs too, actually. So we're starting on a great note Yeah. before we whine about being burned out. So not to steal your thunder, but your birthday party weekend was definitely a high. I had so much fun. I Not that I was going into it expecting not to have fun, but it fully exceeded my expectations. I had a blast. It was so, so fun. And it was also so nice to get to know and spend time with some of your friends from Charleston, some of whom I know and some of whom I don't. Yeah, it was great. That makes me so happy. Uh, So I'll let you tell people all about your birthday party and your high, but I had such a good time there. And then my other high is that I've done so much travel in September and I'm finally in New York for a decent stretch of time and I feel like I'm getting back into a routine with everything. So this week I've been trying to get back into a routine with writing because I wrote two days in September. So I'm, I'm trying to get back into the groove there. I'm getting back into a routine with eating healthier and exercise and it just feels really good. Like it doesn't feel like punishment to be doing these things and to like be eating healthy. Like I'm like, oh, I'm excited to have a routine. So that's a high. That feels really good. And then as my anticipatory high, I'm very excited to have a quiet weekend at home. I'm not going anywhere this weekend. I'm dog sitting Rachel's dog for one night. So I'll have a a furry friend and he's a good cuddler. Yeah, I'm just doing nothing this weekend. I've saved up a lot of TV shows and movies to watch this weekend. I'm excited. What are you watching? So I, I didn't watch last week's Ted Lasso, so I'll have two Ted Lassos. I didn't watch last week's The Morning Show, which came back, so I have The Morning Show. Oh, I have that too. And then I'll tell you about what I'm binge watching in my obsession. And then also there is a – it looks like a deranged ballerina movie that just is on Amazon. And I love anything that has to do with with – you know, ballet companies or ballet schools. So it, I can't tell if it looks good, but I'm definitely excited for it. Are you writing that down? I'm writing down the morning show, just oh. a reminder. <laughs> you were it's writing one of down those, deranged no. ballet movie, and I was like, wow. 
I will always skip the deranged ballet movie, but I love the morning show and I always forget about it. So I just made a note. I feel like Apple TV is the the one I like always forget when I'm like doing my cruise of like what to watch next. I always forget about the morning show. I watched the first episode a couple of weeks ago when it first came out and it's, uh, I was very excited to have it back. It's, uh, so I only watched the first episode out of the first three that are out. So I don't quite know what's going to happen, but it seemed like they were gearing up for a COVID plotline. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. Like, I haven't really watched many shows where there's a strong COVID plotline, but it seemed like because it uh, the first episode took place New Year's Eve of 2020. So it seemed like that's what they were like gearing up yes. for. Yes. I saw that too. I saw the first episode and, and th- I was like, ooh, I don't know. Am I ready for like COVID TV? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Yeah. We'll see. I guess we'll just have to watch it. Sidebar on the TV note, are you caught up on Only Murders yet? No, I'm not caught up. I'm like, I think I'm one or two behind. I will just say the last episode, I watched it last night, was fantastic. It was an ASL episode, so the whole episode was mostly silent. Is that the finale or no? It's just the last one you watched. No, there's more. Okay. I don't think it was the finale. Okay. I don't know now. Now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, no, there's so much unresolved. It can't be the finale. Yeah, it's probably but not it, then. it was fantastic. Probably not. Yeah. I was going to say, did they solve the murder? <laughs> no, it's not solved. But then okay. I was like, I thought maybe you knew that it was the finale and I didn't. And no, I was like, no. Shit. I, I was just asking. Oh, I have okay. no idea. We've gotten sidetracked here. What's your high? I could talk about TV all day. My high was my party. It was the best. I had such a good time. The way that it all turned out, turned it like way exceeded my expectations. We had it at the Dubray, which is probably my favorite hotel in Charleston. I will tell you, it, since it was at a hotel and since it was for, you know, 33 people, I was not expecting the food to be good, and it was perfect. Yeah, it was great. Everyone got along so well. I think I was nervous about – because I feel like I have – like four or five small groups of friends. And I'm like, you're always never sure about combining all of those groups and all of those personalities. Cause like I'm more quiet. So I tend to attract friends who have strong personalities, which I like, I, I just like gravitate towards people who like you, you have a strong personality, like in the, like strong personality in the best possible way. And I was nervous about if everyone would get along and like each other and everyone had a great time. Everyone got along it was the most fun. Everyone dressed up. Very strong adherence to theme. I feel like I was on the very low end of theme adherence. Like I was so impressed by the the costumes that people wore or the outfits. Me too. Yes, I'm going to say outfits because my outfit, my costume, my outfit, I will definitely rewear that. Like I feel like people like don't believe me, but I will. <laughs> like I will find an occasion. Yeah. Your dress was beautiful. Thank you. And then I have to shout out the Courtney from The Drifter, she did the tablescape and I was nervous. I like didn't really want to spend money on a tablescape, to be honest. I was like, eh, like how good is it actually going to be? And I walked in and the way she did it with like orchids and candlelight and those little um, champagne glass towers, I was this, it felt like it was out of a dream. Grace, I'm so glad that I invested in that. I don't know if you were paying attention to this because there was so much going on. Your dad? Yes, your dad. You're, so he was so mischievous. There were these towers of champagne glasses on the table, like the coops, that you know it almost looked like somebody was gonna, you could pour champagne in the top and it would go all the way down, but there was like a layer in between, like of I don't know plexiglass or something. 
And so the layers were like champagne glasses. And then there were little mini bottles of champagne that were like holding up the next t- the next tier. And I was sitting kind of like catty corner from your dad. And he kept trying to pull out the champagne bottles like a, um, like a Jenga tower. And it was uh-huh. so mischievous. It was so funny, though, because I could so completely see you in that. I was like, this is the gracest behavior. Like, if it weren't your party, you would absolutely be the person who is mischief- mischievously trying to pull out the champagne bottles and, like, see how many you could get away with. It was so funny. And I was just, like, watching your mom try to, like, not discipline him, but, like, Bill, don't do that. She was, like, horrified. It was so funny. You are not the only person that was like, oh, now I see where you get your mischievous side from because people were like video recording him and sending it to me. I was like, yeah, I know. Like, I definitely get that from him. <laughs> yeah, on a positive note, I know what to get him for Christmas. Jenga. <laughs> yeah. He was like, I was like, I have a Jenga set at home if you want to use it. And he was like, it's not big enough. I want the big Jenga set. I was like, okay. (laughs) He wants higher stakes Jenga. Yes. Oh, it was so fun, though. It was so fun. I I arrived home at 3 a.m. the night of your party. Like, I, it was. Oh, you were out later than I was. I was out later than you were. Oh, yeah, because we all went. So then my friend has like his own little bar. And after the Commodore, we went there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Jeff and I were like, we need to go home. Like we were starting to feel like woozy. No, I was part of the very late night crew, like me and Natalie and Nick and Ryan. Yeah, it was. Oh, my God. I love it. I love I it. I was deeply hungover the next day. I was so, I was giving you such a hard time. And I was also announcing, when I was drunk, I was announcing it to everyone where I was like, Grace doesn't want to hang out with me tomorrow. Because I had assumed, uh, I mean, it was an assumption, but I assumed there would be something the next day. Like, you know, there would be a brunch or like a hangout or something. So I, Oh no, I after stayed. a party like that, I can't hang out. <laughs> well, you know, I didn't want to get back on a plane in the yeah. d- depths of my hangover. So I was like, oh, I'm going to stay in Charleston on Sunday. I'll fly back Monday morning. And I assumed that there would be a hang like Bloody Mary's or like a late brunch or something. <laughs> and there there wasn't. And you were like, I'm not committing to any plans. And so I was being such a <laughs> I, I didn't mean it in a mean way, but I was like, I was like, Grace doesn't want to hang out with me tomorrow. And like I lined up so many plans, including with your mom who did cancel on me. And then the next day I was so hungover. I couldn't do anything. <laughs> After all, in that. a way, this reminds me of the live shows, like how you would have all this energy and want to do things after, and I would literally want to like stay in a dark room for like a day after the live shows. <laughs> I just knew after a party like that, I was like, I'm not committing. We watched three movies on the couch and ordered three different Uber Eats meals, and I was like, this is my perfect after birthday day, and it was dark. <laughs> I just needed to like recover and recharge after a night like that. Yeah. What about on the low side? So it's just like go time over here. I have a lot of projects in the works, which is great, but I'm very, very tired after the birthday weekend. And then next Friday, I actually go to Vienna for five days for work. It's a a trip with Sarah Flint. I think I talked about this. I can't even remember what I've talked about and what I haven't. I am designing a shoe with her, which launches next year. And this is the inspiration trip to like kind of figure out the kind of fabrics and textiles. So the whole collection, there's two other influencers coming and we're all kind of designing our shoes based around our experience in Vienna, which is going to be so cool. But before I go, like leading up to it between this week and next week, I have 
either shoots or recordings every day, which, and some days I have both, which is just a lot. And I have so many deadlines with just sponsored content because it's, you know, fourth quarter is starting and it's all manageable. But right now I'm just really tired. So I think that I'm kind of looking at it as like you just have to work like really fucking hard between now and next Friday and then things will get better. The trip is going to be epic. I'm trying to just have everything scheduled ahead of time before I go so I can really like enjoy it and capture content on the trip because what Sarah Flint has like has lined up for us is incredible like we're staying in this really beautiful like old school hotel I don't remember the name of it we're going to the opera like it's gonna be one of those trips just to like a life a trip of a lifetime in my in my opinion, I've never been to Vienna, but there's just so much to do before I go. And I don't want to complain because it is all good stuff. Like tomorrow I'm, <laughs> this is the real low is that I've had company in town and my cleaning lady couldn't come. And my apartment is a disaster and it's being shot for a magazine tomorrow. So I'm going to be up like till all hours of the night cleaning and like making it look like an apartment that's worth being photographed because right now it is not. So there's just a lot to do. But again, it's, it is all good stuff. So I don't want to sound like I'm complaining. I'm just very tired. I love Vienna. I've only been once in college when I studied abroad. I went there and I loved it. And I would actually love to go back as like a full adult and have a different experience because we, we went and it was very student-y. Like we had no money and we were just like staying in hostels and eating on the cheap. I loved Vienna. I'm really excited. She shared like this little PowerPoint with us and we didn't get to keep it because it was shared on Zoom, but of all the things that we're going to do. And I was just like, yes, I want to do that. I want to do that. Like I was so excited. Yeah. So when I get back from Vienna, I think work will slow down a little bit. I have fewer things to do. It's always the, the first couple of weeks of the month that are the most hectic. And then Jeff and I are going to Savannah for two nights. So that's going to be really fun. Oh, nice. What is your low? My low is just that I'm feeling out of sync from so much travel in September. So I was on three different trips in September, which is definitely the most I have traveled since 2019. And they were all great. It was all so worth it and so fun. Like I had my restorative Mexico trip and then I had like my fun catch up girls trip. And then I had my like debaucherous Grace's birthday trip. And so they were all so fun, but I'm just feeling very out of sync from not from coming and going. It was so funny. I, I walked through my office this morning my office in my apartment, which I don't use. It's just like, it's just there. I usually work at my dining room table. I love your office. It's gorgeous. Yeah. But I do the same thing. And so I have a um, stack of books in there that I read this month that I'll take my my reading photo of at the end of the month. And the top book is the Ellen Hildebrand, uh, one of the Trouble in, uh What Happens in Paradise series ones. Yeah. It's sitting at the top of the pile. And I walked by it and I was like, was that this month? Because I like specifically remember coming back from Mexico and I was so, I couldn't even wait for the book to be delivered. I went to Barnes and Noble in the city to buy it. And that feels like it was eons ago. So I just feel like so much has happened in this month and I'm just feeling like kind of out of sync and like I, I haven't been eating healthy and I, you know, how obsessed I am with my Apple Watch challenge thing and I'm like <laughs> deeply behind and losing. Like I just feel that feels like unnecessary stress. Like no. I would not want an Apple Watch just because of the unnecessary stress. Well you don't have to do a competition. It's not unnecessary stress. Yeah. It's like I don't know, it's good motivation. But um I'm just feeling like out of sync and I'm just happy to be home so that I, I'm able to be in a routine and like decompress a little. 
Yeah, absolutely. I've, I felt that very deeply at the, like kind of be, the beginning of the mid month. Cause I traveled a ton in August and then we ended up in Mexico for your birthday. And I got back and I was like, I am just so, I was just so tired and out of sync. Yeah. Mine's not even tired. I, I don't feel like I'm underslept or anything. I just, I feel out of, out of sync, out of my routine. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I feel like we're going to talk a lot about these feelings and things along these lines. But first, let's take a quick ad break. So this episode is brought to you by Pros, the world's most personalized hair care. And I am so happy that this podcast brought Pros into my life. I hadn't I hadn't tried it before. They approached us as an advertiser, which was probably about two years ago now, because it has 100% changed my hair for the better. So I've been using their shampoo and conditioner since they became an advertiser. I, you know, they gave me the first bottle for free, but I've been paying for it ever since. I've probably repurchased it like five times at this point, and I am a total convert. So Pros makes every customer a specialized blend of ingredients that's formulated for your specific hair care needs. So you take an in-depth hair quiz, which asks you about your hair type, your styling routine, and then also some less expected factors like your workout routine, your diet, and your zip code so they can account for environmental factors. And when I took the quiz originally, it asks you about your hair goals. And I told them that I wanted to have less frizz when I air dry. I wanted to go longer between washes. And I just wanted to overall improve my hair health. And two years later, they've delivered on all of these goals. My hair just looks all around better. I have been so lazy about getting haircuts through quarantine, but my hair still looks really healthy. And it's completely because of the pros. And also, we have to talk about the scent. I get the Corsica scent, and it smells so good. It's a smell that I'm not sick of, even after, you know, getting five bottles of the shampoo. And also, Pros has a really cool review and refine feature, which means that your custom formula gets better the longer you use it. On every reorder, they ask you how they did relative to your goals, and then they make tweaks. And I've said this the last couple of ads, but it bears repeating because I was just so impressed. So on my last order, I had an awesome customer service experience. So recently, I reordered, and I guess I went a little overboard with my answers on the review and refine feature. And I got my new bottles, and I I didn't love them. And when I emailed them, I didn't tell them about our ad relationship. I just emailed them as a regular customer. And they insisted on replacing my bottles for free. And they were so helpful. So seriously, if you're on the fence, I want you to know that if you're not 100% positive that Pros is the best hair care you've ever had, they'll take the products back, no questions asked. So Pros is the healthy hair care regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash B-O-P. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash B-O-P for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. Okay, let's get into this chat about burnout. Well, the first thing I want to ask you is I know in the outline, I'm just going to like put you on blast here. On the outline for your low, it said burnt out and you didn't actually use those words when you were describing it. So I'm curious, are you? Do you think you're like officially burnt out right now? Are you on the road to burnout? How are you feeling? I'm kind of in between. I feel guilty complaining because it's all good things. Like to get to design a shoe with Sarah Flint is a dream. Like I threw myself like the dream birthday party. I'm shooting my home for a magazine. I just feel like it's all coming like right at once and it's like too much. 
And so I'm trying to like have a positive attitude about it and just be like, you're going to get through this. It's a lot right now, but it's all good stuff. I feel that. It's kind of what Anne was saying when she was on the podcast. She said something about the comparison of, do I have the right to complain about this if I'm not a single mother with three kids working two jobs who just has like the most intense circumstances? And I mean, I feel like, you know, even though they're all good things, you're still allowed to feel overwhelmed by them. And, and yeah. you know, maybe it's not burnout because I think, I don't know, I think for, for me, burnout is kind of like a more prolonged state, but you're certainly allowed to feel like stressed out. And Yeah, I just, I think I really struggle with guilt around burnout because I'm not a college professor like my sister. I sometimes feel like there's a hierarchy for this stuff and there isn't. Like we can all feel burnt out and tired. But I also do like to check myself and like have a little perspective. I feel so I do feel guilty complaining. But like, you know, today I'll tell you, I slept till 930 and I have so much to do and felt so bad about it. But I was also just I we're going to talk. I feel like I don't want to be all over the place with with what we wanted to talk about. But I did that thing, which is kind of a sign I'm burnt out where I couldn't go to bed because I was up late working. And then I felt guilt. I felt mad that I was up so late working that then I put on TV and then I was up till 1 a.m. So why am I surprised that I was still tired at 930? Yeah, totally. So I think I'm getting there. But I will say like and again, we're going to talk about these things later. But I I think I know this now. So I'm like really limiting my calendar and like saying no to a lot. And like Saturday and Sunday of this weekend, I have no plans and I will see my family, but like I don't want to do anything else. Yeah. Well, so maybe to frame the conversation, I want to talk about our personal experiences with burnout, I guess both now, but then also in the past. Um, So have you, I guess, have, have you ever experienced professional burnout? Yes. So I've told this story before, so I apologize if it's boring or old news. My The biggest thing I can compare it to is when I left Bobble Bar. So I did not want to leave my day job. I did not want to be another influencer who quit her day job and blah, blah, blah. And I loved, I loved working there. But, you know, it was a startup. We were working 60, 70 hours a week. And then I had my blog that was another 30 on top of that. And then when my blog turned five years old, which is so funny, this is so long ago, I threw a party for it. And I remember not being like the weekend after the party and other things, like not being able to get out of bed. Like I remember I watched, I was watching The Good Wife and I remember being like, I need to eat. And I was living in that studio apartment with the loft bed. And I remember being like, I have to go down the ladder to go get make myself something to eat so that I sustain myself. <laughs> but like I was just like I like pretty much stayed in my in bed the whole weekend. And it would have been like on the couch in like another apartment. This was like dramatic, but it was a studio apartment with that loft bed and the little TV up in the loft bed. <laughs> my life has come a long way. But I remember that. And I also remember the feeling that I kind of sucked at everything. I felt like I was about to get a review at Bobble Bar and I knew it wasn't going to be good because I was just, I mean, at a startup, you it's so it's so hard to meet expectations as it is because like you're never doing enough. Like it's just all about like figuring out what's working and doing more and doing more and doing more. And then I had this blog that was like starting to make a decent amount of money. I think by the time I left, I was earning more from my blog than I was from the day job. And so I wanted to keep that going. And that was so exciting because it was like my project that I loved. The harder I worked, if I made money or something, it went to me. So 
I'm getting sidetracked, but that was the most memorable experience I have of burnout and the most burnout I've ever been. And I'm not there right now. Like right now feels pretty great compared to that moment. But I remember being like, am I depressed? Like we talked about that with Anne as well, like distinguishing between depression and burnout. And I was like happy, but like couldn't move. Yeah. (laughs) What about you? I feel like I was burnt out at the end of both of my last in-house jobs. And I guess maybe it is something that's just part and parcel of working for a startup. I think when I was at Bobble Bar, I didn't have the vocabulary to explain being burnt out. I think that I think that I wasn't able I, I think two things about that experience. The first thing is I didn't know when to quit and I stayed too long because I thought that things would get better and they didn't. And then I think also I was burnt out and I didn't have the vocabulary for that. I remember before Jackie moved, our friend Jackie, who also worked with us, like we would just go out to dinner. We had a standing Friday night date every single Friday and we would just go out to dinner and we would just, we like had Stockholm syndrome. (laughs) We were just like complaining about these things that were never going to change and we were so burnt and we were both so burnt out. And I, I read this article that came out this week on Refinery29 about burnout. And and it compared professional burnout to disillusionment. And it was something that, I don't know if it was new thought or it was just the first place I'd seen it before. But um, I, I wrote down the quote from this article where it said, I didn't write down the exact quote, but I like paraphrased it. And it's basically professional burnout is like this feeling of disillusionment of like, is that all there is? And the disillusionment isn't just about mourning something tangible. It's also about the loss of a fantasy where it was like, we're building this thing. It's going to be so great. And then, you know, when you're doing it and it doesn't feel great, you're like, oh, and it's that really resonated with me with how I felt at Bobble Bar. And so I was really burnt out there and I left. And I think what fixed it was just going somewhere new where there wasn't this like patina of disillusionment. And I... I felt excited by my new circumstances. Like it wasn't, I I don't, I think I probably took two weeks off between jobs, but I didn't take a while off. Like I didn't do anything to unburn myself out. I just went somewhere different and just new circumstances renewed me. And then at the end of Lola, I also felt really burnt out. And that's why I was going to work for myself. My original plan was that I was going to just work for myself for six months because I wanted to get get over being burnt out because I was having this experience where at the end of my time at Lola, one I think one of like the key contributing factors to my burnout was like I just felt like a professional meeting attender where from 9.30 in the morning to 6 at night, I would just be on calls or in meetings all day. And I didn't even feel like I was doing anything. Like I was just in calls and meetings and I was delegating to other people, but I, I didn't have time for like strategic thought. Like I was just communicating updates or sitting in meetings, fighting with people, or I I don't know. Like, I just, I didn't feel like I was doing anything. I had a team, obviously, who I was, like, delegating to and executing through, but I just, I felt, it felt so crappy. And one of the things there that I noticed when I was feeling really burnt out is that I couldn't get excited about other jobs. And that was really what was hard is that I was like, I know I need to go find a new job, but I just like can't get excited about interviewing about any other job. And so my plan originally was I was going to take six months off and freelance for some of that. And if it worked out, great. But if not, I had enough savings that it wasn't a big deal because I just felt like I needed to get over the burnout. 
So yeah, I've I mean I've I've had it in both of my last two long-term in-house jobs, but I was thinking about it when I was prepping for this episode and I don't think that I've really experienced burnout working for myself. Have you? Yes, I have during the holiday season. Again, it's never been as bad as that weekend where I could not get out of bed. It's just like this feeling of tiredness. I used to do these like really elaborate gift guides on my blog. And this again, it's like it's like you're not a doctor, you're not a nurse, you're <laughs> complaining about gift guides. But I think I just put so much pressure on myself to create this like really amazing elaborate holiday content. And then again, I think one of the things that Anne said that really resonated with me was the idea of distinguishing yourself by doing more. So I'd be like, I'm going to do two blog posts a day. Like I'm going to have like a holiday outfit or like a sponsored post. And then I'm going to have a gift guide in the afternoon. And I was designing them all myself. I didn't have like right now I have a graphic designer who helps me and I have like more people, like more freelancers that I can turn to. I didn't have anyone then. And I just remember being like fried. Yeah. I I feel like I've worked as hard working for myself, but I haven't felt that feeling of burnout. And maybe it's because I don't have that missing link of like, what is this all for? You know, working for myself when you work really hard, it's because I need to make money to pay my bills or I'm working in service to a a greater goal. Like I could see becoming burnt out and I'm not saying I hope this doesn't happen and I'm not saying that this is where I'm at, but you know, if we continue to go through this process of pitching podcasts and TV shows and we keep getting rejected, like I could see that becoming a, a very burnt out situation, but working for myself so far where I've had control over the projects that I'm working on and like I I have a clear why like I I haven't gotten burnt out the same way that I have when I was working for other people and I think it's just cuz my work is more closely tied to my what word am I looking for um, to, to your own personal contentment yeah kind of but that wasn't what I was going to say but it was like my it's not my values but it's like my I don't know I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it's like my work and and it's the opposite of what Anne was saying, where it's like the people who are less susceptible to burnout are people who are able to dissociate themselves from their career. But I think like having that tied closely together working for myself has almost made me more resilient to burnout because it, it it's very clear why I'm doing what I'm doing and like what the benefit and impact is versus in-house. I haven't necessarily felt like that's clear. And that's where I've started to get burnt out. And I think, again, going back to the Refinery29 article, which we can link in the in the show notes, like it's for me a lot about the feeling of disillusionment of like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be or like, why am I doing this? Where is this going? What's the next step? You know? Yeah. I, I relate to that a lot. And I think that one of the reasons that I find myself getting burnt out is with advertisers because the sponsored content is the element of the job that makes money and lets me do this. But it also is challenging at times and can be really exhausting, especially recording sponsored Instagram stories and all of that. Like we've talked before about how much work that actually is. And then also feeling like I'm letting people down. You know, if I feel like my content is a little stale or exhausting and I feel that it maybe has been a little bit more this year. And we'll talk about why, because that is more on the personal burnout side. But I think 
the feeling of letting people down. Like when I go into my DMs and I see that there's like hundreds of messages in there that I haven't replied to, I feel really guilty. But at the end of the day, like I'm not going to hire someone to respond as me. It feels icky. And I just have to like be like I'm probably never going to get to all of those, but I'll try my best and then move on. It was around the time that we were on tour together because I remember you laughing and you were like, I'll do your DMs for you. And I was like, no, you can't. I need to do them myself. But I remember back then, especially after the live shows, I felt like I had to give every single person a personal response and answer and say thank you so much for like saying that like you enjoyed our show. Because I, you know, if someone comes to a show that you're doing or takes the time to leave a comment on a blog post or an Instagram, I want to write back. But it's like at what level you can't really scale any further if you're just in the weeds commenting and, and replying to things all day. Yeah. So what about personal burnout? I I feel like we need to caveat that, you know, whatever burnout we've experienced in our lives is obviously, you know, we can't compare it to the burnout that people who are parents are feeling because we don't have that added layer of of responsibility and of like mental mental and emotional tax there. I don't know. Especially was, during the pandemic. Like, oh, especially during the pandemic. My friends with kids, I just felt so bad and I couldn't help them because we were all in lockdown. So we were all just these little like units like floating along by ourselves. I was thinking about it while I was while I was thinking about this episode. And I so before Anne came on the podcast, I listened to a handful of her other podcast appearances. And a lot of them she talked about the burnout associated with uh, parenting. And she talked a lot about lean in culture mm-hmm. and like the idea of like that it is feasible to have it all. And, you know, you just need to lean in or try harder, or, you know, girl boss, like I can, I can do anything um, that a man can do. And um, what was really interesting to me, and I don't know if I've ever said it this way on the podcast, but I say this all the time in my personal life when I'm having f- conversations with friends is that I, I feel like I don't want kids, not because I don't like kids, but I'm like, I just feel too selfish to have kids. And I always thought that that would change at some point, And it, it hasn't where I just, I like can't imagine the selflessness required to raise a kid in the context of my current life. And as I was listening to her talk about having it all, I was kind of like, wow, you know, maybe, yes, selfish is kind of the key thing, but it's also like maybe it's also that it's like unrealistic, like it's the standards and like that it's not realistic to do it all. At some level, I can feel that, but the game is rigged kind of. I don't know. I was just thinking a lot about that as I was listening to her interviews talking about parenting and burnout. I didn't listen to that one, but I will say I think that this notion of having it all is really toxic because it's like you see these alleged girl bosses like doing it all and having babies and running these huge companies and you don't see the help that they have, the nannies that they have, the cleaning staff, the maybe the husband that's or maybe you maybe see the husband that decides to stay home and I think it just sets such a bad example for women that like they're not enough and they're not doing enough and Yeah, but even if you have the most help in the world, I don't know, maybe this is not true, but I feel like even if you have the most help in the world, there's also this like mental tax of like needing to take care of somebody else's schedule and make sure their needs are met. And also, you know, for if you're not spending enough time with your children, there's also guilt about that where it's like it's yeah. still creating more mental toll that you or I don't have to deal with without having children that like Mm -hmm. even with the help if you know it was like fully made feasible from a scheduling perspective like it's not just about like the physical 
caregiving, it's also like the mental load. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, watching everyone in my life that has children and what they, that's just like a whole nother level that I can't even imagine adding to my own life. Right. But I mean, have you ever felt, I don't know that I've ever felt burnt out in my personal life. Have you? I don't know that I would say burnt out because, but again, it comes back to that guilt over like complaining, but I would just say, I do not recommend moving to a new city and going into a long distance relationship at the same time. Like it has been a lot. I've just felt like the move was very taxing, just, you know, physically and emotionally and just trying to like get out there and make new friends. I remember like the first like couple of months that I got here, I was going out all the time just trying to like connect with new people and make friends. And my whole goal was like, this was a private goal. I don't know if I ever said it. I was like, well, Charleston's going to get really hot in July. So I have to like lock down my friends here, like before July (laughs) so that I have friends and then I can travel a bunch in the summer and like get out of town because it's going to be so hot. But I did that. Then I had all this guilt. I was like, am I, am I calling my friends back home enough? Am I, um, going to New York enough? Like, am I being a good friend to my friends? I've abandoned my friends and I feel so guilty. Then I had a new relationship and we committed to, we don't always get to do this, but we try to see each other every two weeks. So once a month I go to LA and once a month he comes here. I mean, this month, for example, I'm in Vienna the week that I would usually be in LA. So, um, we won't see each other for like a month, which, which is okay. I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a bummer, but I mean, again, it's a really cool, a really fun work trip and um, a great professional opportunity. So, and he had a sailing race at one point. So there was a month where we only saw each other once. But then um, on top of that, sorry, so it was the move, the boyfriend, (laughs) friends in New York, and then my family, like my family just being, oh, you're, you're leaving again? Like you just got to Charleston. Like, you know, we only saw you once this week, which is hilarious now in comparison because if I only see my family once during the week I'm really sad but like it's so much better than it was like it used to be like I mean I didn't see them for a whole year during the pandemic and then it used to be like a few times a year so we've gotten so spoiled but you know it's that little bit of guilt being like oh you're leaving again oh like we can't go to the farmer's market or get brunch um so I think I don't know if it's even burnout I think it's just guilt and feeling like you're kind of failing at everything (laughs) I think that is I I think that is like a feeling of burnout where you know I think there's some burnout that's an on-off switch but then I think there's also some that's just like a rising level of like it's always there in the background you know yeah and I think that might just always be there and I'm so lucky to have great friends in two cities and a boyfriend and living in the same place as my family. But I think it was a big adjustment. Like those first few months were really hard. Yeah. How do you feel like the pandemic has affected your level of burnout or has it? I think I'm still figuring that out. I think that there's like a lot of like unresolved. I remember reading an article saying that we're all kind of feeling like this delayed level of of tiredness or burnout or whatever it might be because we were kind of just like, I feel like 2020 was like fight or flight. Like there was – we were locked down. There was all the social justice stuff. Every day, like I was frightened to look at my DMs pretty much all the way from June and through the election. And then we had the insurrection after that. And I just feel like we're still processing so much of what happened 
over the past couple years, I feel like it was just there was so much happening that there wasn't even time to be tired or burnt out. It was just like, well, it's on to the next thing. It was like, I got to get, I felt like, this is so funny. I, I feel like you felt like this too. Like, I feel like we all felt like we personally had to get rid of Donald Trump. Like, I know that I am not the reason that <laughs> Joe Biden is president, but I was just like, we must get him out of here. We must do everything. That year was just so wild and so crazy. And then, you know, we got a new president. Everything slowly slowed down. But I think I just sometimes feel like I'm still processing it all. Did you read the Adam Grant article in the New York Times from over the summer about languishing? I I think I did. I am trying to remember that one. He published this article over the summer at some point, and it was basically positing that the predominant feeling of 2021 was this feeling of languishing where, you know, there's kind of three states and the first one is depression and then the peak state is flourishing and then in between there's languishing. And I I could really see that where I I feel like I had a much better pandemic than many people. Me too. Um, And, you know, not just at the bare minimum level of like, I didn't lose my job and like I didn't I don't have kids to take care of that I had to homeschool but you know I I changed my career somewhat in the pandemic and it really opened up a lot of creativity in me that wouldn't have otherwise been unlocked I professionally have been feeling very fulfilled and also like very excited about the prospects of what I'm building for myself so you know I felt better in the pandemic than than others have but even still, like, I think there is this feeling of, like, the monotony of especially, you know, during periods where we weren't really leaving our house that much, where it was like, you can go for a walk, you could do your stupid little errands, but, you know, you're not really doing anything. And, like, I, I did relate to that feeling of languishing where it was like, we're all just kind of on pause. Yeah, it was like a giant pause. I did feel that feeling that, like, my life was kind of just paused. Yeah, yeah. And it's hard to go back into not life is still not back to normal, but you know, I'm attending events, I'm like dating someone, like it's not we're like locked down and you can't talk to anyone. But I do think yeah, it, and traveling and things, it's been hard to kind of go from being on pause to like going at like full force again. Yeah. We'll link the article in the sh- in the show notes as well because it also talks about it was written in 2021 and it also talks about like, oh, we should all be so excited, but everyone's kind of having a hard time getting it up for the new normal. Yes. And that goes back to that guilt. Like I'm like, I should be so excited, but I'm also really tired. (laughs) Yeah. The the other thing that we talked about with Anne that I thought was so interesting was around her personal burnout warning signs. And she said that for her, it's not being able to leave her phone. So, you know, she goes on a walk or does something that she would usually be phone free and she feels like she needs to bring her phone. And the other one was not reading fiction, even though she has like books that she's ostensibly excited about on her nightstand. Have you been able to, since we talked to her, have you been able to like diagnose any of your own burnout warning signs? Yeah. I think the big one is like staying up too late. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I think, did you put this as revenge bedtime procrastination? I don't know if we have the same thing, but I just feel that a lot of times I end up working late at night. And then I am not mad that I work late, but I'm like, well, now I have to treat myself. And like, it's either a glass of wine and a movie or reading too late or just like staring at my phone and like playing Candy Crush or looking at Instagram. 
or like going down some weird rabbit hole where I like click on something and then click on something else. And then I'm looking at somebody's like cousin's wedding and like deciding to like critique it for myself. And I don't even know this person. Um, I just think, and that's not a real story. I was just trying to give an example. I just think it's like, it's a really bad cycle for me because I end up staying up late and then I end up sleeping in the next day and then I can't get out of it. Yeah. I, I recognize that too. I definitely feel like I stay up later when I am burnt out because I feel like I haven't gotten that fulfillment during the day. So it's either that I want to stay up and watch a show or like I deserve, I need that time to unwind on my phone, which is not actually refreshing in any way. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I think that I can see in retrospect is times when I rewatch shows that I've already seen, not because I'm like excited about it, but it's like you just, you want that like hit of like watching a bunch of mindlessly watching something. I do that too. Like for me, 30 Rock is a show that I love and I like know by heart. Like when I turn that on, not anymore because it's not on Netflix, but when Friends used to be on Netflix Mm -hmm. or like Parks and Rec, like watching those shows that I've already watched instead of reading. Because usually I don't watch a ton of TV. I'm watching a ton of TV right now, but it's because I've gotten addicted to a show that has a lot of seasons. But like that's different where it's like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens next. Whereas I'll watch shows that I know what happens and it's like kind of a comforting thing, which it, it is. It's comforting to watch those shows, but it's like you're just watching. You're not just watching one episode to be like, oh, I need to like mentally unplug. You're like, I'm going to watch five episodes that I already know what happens. And like I'm also scrolling on my phone while I'm doing it yes. just because like I can't I can't mentally face like anything more strenuous. I was doing that the other day. I was rewatching White Collar and playing Candy Crush. And I was like, this is like peak like burnout. Signs. Yeah. 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 <laughs> My favorite. What are your rewatch shows? Because you, you said some. Mine are White Collar, Gossip Girl, and Sex in the City. Ooh, we have different ones. Yeah. I would say mine are, mine are like sitcoms. It's like uh, Schitt's Creek, 30 Rock, Parks and Rec. I'll, wa- I'll watch Friends. I'm not really an office person. Yeah. Yeah. I like Friends. Shall we take a little break before we talk more? Yes. So I just finished up with my post-quarantine doctor spree. So I like I think a lot of people skipped going to the doctor during the depths of quarantine. And I just had my huge catch-up and I went to the dentist. I went to my primary care doctor, my gynecologist, and dermatologist. And I'm so glad I got it all done because there's really no peace of mind like getting a clean bill of health post-doctor's visit. But the worst part, the part that kept making these appointments as items that lingered on my to-do list for half the summer was that I had to find a lot of new doctors because my old doctors were either too far away from Brooklyn, which tells you how long it had been since I'd seen a dermatologist, or they didn't take my current insurance. But I am here to save you the time and mental anguish and the legwork of finding a new doctor or making that appointment that you've been putting off. You need to try ZocDoc. So just download the free ZocDoc app which is the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance, read verified patient reviews, and book an appointment in person or on video chat, all without waiting on hold with a receptionist ever again. And you can do it for any kind of doctor you need, whether it's a primary care doctor, a dentist, a dermatologist, a psychiatrist, an eye doctor, or another specialist. ZocDoc has you covered. 
Using ZocDoc made finding new doctors and making appointments such a breeze for me. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy, and now is the time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com BOP and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash B-O-P. Back to the episode. So I feel like we've talked, we've complained a whole bunch and like talked about our own struggles with burnout. But what about improving burnout? Because like I feel like we want to give the people some actual helpful advice. So I have no answer for professional burnout. In the past, my solution has been to quit, which is (laughs) obviously not is a very extreme solution. It's worked, if that gives you anything. But it's not – I haven't figured out how to improve burnout within the current situation without just being like, well, parachute, abort. But I do have one thing that I think has really been helpful for personal tasks and burnout. Like Anne was talking about how one of the main reasons that she initially felt burnt out was that she had all these – tasks on her to-do list that should be pretty easy, but she just kept putting off, which I can really identify with. And I got this, I think it was from Gretchen Rubin, who wrote The Happiness Project. I think this might be from one of her books, or maybe I'm totally misattributing it. I don't know where I picked this up, but it's not my idea. It's something called a power hour, where basically you just set a time, like a clock on your phone for an hour, and then you see how many of these things on this list you can get done in an hour. And it's always shocking because, like, I was just talking in the ZocDoc ad, and I, I sw- like, it is crossover between content and re- uh, advertising in real life because I put off making some of these doctor's appointments for so long, and then when I actually did it, it took me five minutes. Yeah. So it's like if you set a clock for an hour, you can actually get a lot done. Yeah. And I did this on – um. Tuesday when I got back from Charleston because I had all these like personal admin things that I was like, oh, I don't want to do any of this. Mm -hmm. And it's shocking. Like I always overestimate how long these things are going to take. Like I I had to go to the post office. I had to schedule a clothing donation pickup. Like I had to, I can't even remember what else I had to do, but they were like all these silly little things that in my mind I was building up to be such hard tasks and they all took five minutes. I love that as an idea. And then you're done. Yeah. And it's like also, I mean, you know how competitive I am. So it's also like a race against yourself. Like <laughs> how much can I get done in an hour? Oh, my gosh. For me, I think it's just really paying attention and being like and checking in with myself and being like, how am I feeling? How's it going? Either canceling plans or pushing out work deadlines if I am able to. Yeah. I think it's just kind of like being just being a more mindful person. Like when I was younger, I definitely just wasn't. I was just like, go, 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 go. And now I, I just try and be really thoughtful about anything I add to my calendar, anything I'm doing work-wise, anything like personal, like do I want to do this thing? Is this going to benefit me or is it not going to? Making sure I don't get over like overcommitted. You know the other thing that helped me with professional burnout, kind of? I mean, it obviously didn't help all the way, but um, one thing that really helped me – was when I was at Lola, I I got really into knitting one winter. I remember. I felt like that was really helpful, like having a hobby. Because I think that sometimes, you know, sometimes you have a great weekend, you travel, you do something, and you're like, I really have something to show for myself this weekend. But otherwise, sometimes I feel like you have a weekend and 
you have nothing to show for it. You're like, I just had a stupid little weekend where I, you know, caught up on some errands. I like watched some TV. I like saw friends, but it wasn't it wasn't special. You know, it was just like a regular hangout or, you know, like you don't really feel like you have anything to say for yourself of like what you did that weekend or, you know, you just, you slept, you did nothing, you lazed. And I feel like having a hobby made it feel like I accomplished something, whether it was like starting a new project or like researching something where it was like, I felt like my weekends had more, more shaped them kind of in a way that felt like it was like, oh, I I got a weekend and I didn't just like lay on my couch. I completely feel that because I feel like it's not like a tangible hobby because I'm not making something. But right now I've gotten really into watching the films on the AFI list. And yeah, yeah. I felt that way after my <laughs> the day after my birthday party where I really did nothing. But we watched three films from the list and I was like, that's really good. I've now like improved like I've I've so now, like, in the past couple of weeks, I've watched 10 films off of the list. And I'm like, I feel a sense of accomplishment. Whereas, yeah, I because exactly. It's, and it's like because it's a list and I've, like, checked movies off the list. Like, I mean, it could be a list of the 20 best rom-coms and I could still get that satisfaction. But it's like this little challenge that I have for myself. And even though it is just being a couch potato and watching these movies, I mean, some of them are, like, really dark and kind of hard to watch. Like, The Godfather, I feel like it was a... I feel, like, pretty impressed with myself for making it through. Yeah. <laughs> I totally agree with that. Like, it's, like, that sense of accomplishment yeah. that you get from a, a hobby or, like, a, a goal. Yes. I feel like I don't know how to solve burnout once you already get there, but I feel like the best thing to do is to set boundaries to avoid burnout in the future. Like, I'm curious, professionally, personally, like, what are the boundaries that you've set to try to avoid burnout? Well, I try not to work on weekends. And – before the party and before having all these friends in town, I was doing a good thing where I stopped working at seven. I've also talked a little bit about just the struggle of Charleston and the way that this social plans work because things tend to start at four or five here. And I have a like, I can't do that. Like, and so I think a thing I've started to do is just say no if if it's in the middle of the day and it's like if it's like a somebody like if if it's Molly, like Molly is one of my newer, like really close friends here. If Molly was like, I need you to come to my lunch at two, I'll like clear my calendar and I'll be there. But if it's just like some random thing that starts at four, I'm like, that's going to disrupt my day. I, I can't do that. So I think it's definitely like managing my calendar better and trying not to work nights and weekends. It's just saying no more. I, I've i said the word guilt so many times in this episode, but I do get like a lot of guilt about saying no or like disappointing people and letting people down. And I've just had to abandon that. Like I had a lot of people after my birthday party be like, we need to catch up. Like, let's get dinner. And it's like, I have the craziest couple of weeks ahead. And just like, you have to say no, like I can't add anything else to my plate right now. And I'm, I feel like arrogant saying that, but you also just have to protect yourself and your time. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? For professional burnout, there's an article that I really, really like um, from the first. I'm, I'm writing that down. From the, We'll link it too in the show notes. It's from the first round review. First round is a venture capital fund and it's called Practical Frameworks for Beating Burnout. This woman basically goes through kind of how she looks at tasks and she uses a matrix and plots tasks 
I don't, I don't think you need to do it literally, but just as you think of a task, they put it into one of four quadrants. And there's basically like two quadrants of things you should be doing. Like one are strategic, big thinking things. And then one quadrant is home run. So it's like the easy things that like have value. And then there's one quadrant of things that are like easy things that don't have value and those things should be delegated. And I think you could even take that further in terms of like, for me, cleaning my house is something that I want to delegate because it's something that I don't want to use my time on. And it's also something that I'm not good at. So it's something that at this point in my life, I can pay somebody to do for me to take that off my list. I mean, I guess that's not a professional example, but you know, there's all sorts of things when I worked in house that it was like, were things that needed to happen, but I didn't need to do them. And then there's also a quadrant of things that like you shouldn't be doing. Like you should either just say no to and apologize for having taken on or just be like, we've changed priorities. We're not doing this. And so I I really like that article in terms of thinking about the things that you have to do. And I think that also- It sounds like that would apply to your personal life too, right? Like Absolutely. I think you could, you probably, I haven't read this article. I wrote it down, but I feel like you could take that and look at it both ways. Absolutely. And I think a lot of what this person was saying in the article about her own experience of burnout was that a lot of it came from over committing to things that you just would not be able to fulfill. You can't check off all these items on your to-do list. You can't do all the things you said you were going to do. And along those lines, I think that I've talked about this a lot on the podcast, but I think calendar blocking has been something that's really meaningful for me and is something that I've I've like doubled down on in more recent years. But I think it's really helped to protect me from burnout because when I block things on my calendar, I can physically see how much is realistic to get accomplished during a day. And so I don't have this like endless list of things that it's like, I'm going to do all these things that of course I don't have time to do. Uh So I think it like makes me be a little bit more practical about like how things fit in my day and what will and will not fit. Yeah. So like I, I put, if you haven't heard me talk about this before, I think there's a productivity episode where I talk about it in depth from a couple of years ago, but I basically put in addition to like meetings or tangible things that I have to do on my calendar, I also put blocks for work that I have to do. So, you know, anything from like a two hour block that I have recurring on my calendar for time to write my book also down to like half an hour to like go pick up my dry cleaning. So, you know, it basically informs how much can fit in one day. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been really helpful to just be more realistic about like what I can and cannot do. Yes. And then I agree with you, the no nights and weekends thing, if possible. And I think that was one thing that really started to catch up with me when I was at Lola because I was saying I felt like a professional meeting attender. And it was like if I wanted to get anything done, it had to be at night or on the weekends. And when you start to give away your nights and weekends, then I feel like you start to get into like the revenge procrastination part where there's like you don't have any time for yourself. So I try to be really mindful about that. Yes. And that's where I feel like a little guilty again, because one of the best parts of working for myself is I say no to most meetings. I have somebody who runs my partnerships. I, I don't want to call her my manager, Kristen. She's like amazing, but she does all she does all that stuff for me. So then I'm like, why am I burnt out? Like, because meetings are just the worst. Yeah. The other thing that I'm I'm trying to do more is scheduling my emails so that even if I'm emailing somebody at night or outside of work hours that it's not creating burden on them. Mm -hmm. So scheduling the email to go out during business hours the next day. I do that too. And also putting like non-urgent tags in the subject line. You did that for me the other day. I appreciated it. (laughs) I did do that for you. I emailed you on your birthday and I 
I did it because I didn't want to forget. And so sometimes I'll just like write out an email because I'm like, oh, while I'm thinking of this, I don't want to forget it. I, I did send it to you because there was some time sensitivity to it. So I didn't schedule it, but I was like, not urgent. So like, yeah. you don't need to look at this now. Yeah. So I'm trying to get better at that and, and being more mindful of how I create burnout for other people. I don't know. The one thing that I feel like creates burnout and I don't have a solution for, I don't know if you really deal with this. Do you use Slack? Thank God I do not use Slack. I had it. I for, hate Slack. I had it for something and I, I have it for my web designer and my site developer, but it's I literally get like a handful of messages a month. So it doesn't. It's not. I hate it. I I hate it. I mean, we have one for rom-com pods. I am in a couple for different clients and I hate Slack and I feel like it creates so much burnout for me and I don't know the solution because I feel like it creates, first of all, like in your face messages of this needs to be dealt with because otherwise it gets lost. So I feel like it creates urgency that isn't important. And then also I feel like it creates a lot of messaging that isn't actually relevant to me, but you have to read because it creates a notification or you have to see if it's relevant to you. And I I hate Slack because I feel like it, for me, is a big trigger for burnout and I don't know how to solve it. I can't really say to clients, like, I'm out. Like, I'm not doing that. So I don't know. I feel like like your Slack is my DMs. Yeah. It's something that, like, I I know is trouble, but I don't know how to, I don't know how to problem solve it. For rom-com pods, being the person in charge, they are all more relevant to me. But there's other times with like clients that I'm in their slacks and it's not like 10% of it is relevant to me or even less. And I'm like, how do I? Ugh, ugh. I, I feel know. like for you, you're in this like transitional period where I think in a year, I don't want to curse things, but I think in a year or however long, you could potentially be doing the rom-com pods and writing full time but now you have all these marketing clients too that have to pay your bills so I can't I feel like it's just like so much to balance it's fine I I don't feel like I'm I have too much right now you know I'm living a little skint I'm not I'm obviously not you can tell from my Instagram that I'm obviously not like deprived in any way shape or form but I'm making less (laughs) money than I was two years ago because I've just cut back on the amount of work I'm doing to make time for these projects. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I hope that that's the case. But I've tried to be really mindful of, like, creating time. And, like, the sacrifice for me has been money because that's something that, like, I can afford to do as opposed to, like, filling up my plate and, like, getting myself to that burnout point. That's smart. So I feel like I, I've said what I have to say on burnout. Do you have anything else you want to cover before we get into end matter? No, but let's take a quick little ad break. So you guys know how much Becca and I both love our night pillows. They are the most comfortable pillows in the world, and they are a complete game changer when it comes to sleep. But the best news is that the pillow is now available in seven really, really pretty colors and two memory foam options. So I don't know if you have a night pillow or you would know why this is such a big deal, but until last month, you could only purchase the night pillow in black. And for a lot of people... 
Black just doesn't go with their bedroom vibes or their aesthetic. So after six years, Night is now introducing seven beautiful colors and the option to choose a memory foam based on your sleeping habits. So I know for me that even with the white pillowcase on mine, it always just makes the so the, the black pillow underneath would just make it look a little bit gray. So I'd bury it under my duvet and my other pillows during the day so no one could see it. But now your night pillow can shine. So um, I want to talk about the colors. I think the white is perfect, but you could also go with gunmetal, navy, sky blue, blush, champagne, and of course the classic black. I also want to talk about the memory foam. So the traditional foam is oxygenated, which means it's going to recover very quickly to support just about any sleep position. I personally use the traditional night pillow. But if you are a tried and true side sleeper or a back sleeper, you might prefer the scoop memory foam, which just has a lower profile. One side is traditional and one side has a scoop for that lower profile, which really gives you the best of both worlds. The Night Pillow also comes with their signature tri-silk pillowcase, which is made of couture-grade, luxurious mulberry silk, and that has huge health and beauty benefits. So it fights breakouts, it hydrates your skin and your hair, and increases beauty benefits as it's anti-absorbent, so your skin creams are going to stay on your face and not absorb into your pillow. If you have not tried this pillow yet, now is the time. We think you're going to love it. The new colors are such a game changer. And of course, remember to use our code NIGHTBOP for 20% off site-wide everything at discoverknight.com. So let's get into a little end matter. I don't think either of us have an Instagram obsession. I got to be honest. I've been like with Instagram, I've been just like going on, posting my stuff, closing out, not looking at anyone else's stuff. So I do not have somebody new to be obsessed with. Yeah, I don't have an an Instagram obsession either. I do have like three regular obsessions. I probably should have saved these until (laughs) over a few episodes, but I'll tell you what they are. Okay. So the first one, I started watching The Americans two weeks ago. I am so addicted to it. It, it's, It's a spy show. I usually like spy shows, but I don't usually like shows that are not set in contemporary times and it's set in the 80s. So I think that was my hang up. And when we were going to Olbash, I was like, Rachel and I were going to download a bunch of a TV show to watch while we were there. And the Americans, came, I put a little poll up on my Instagram and like the Americans came up a ton. I don't think it would be very good for a vacation, but it is very addictive. And I started watching it. I am so into it. I finished the second season last night. I think there's five or six seasons. So I still have a ways to go. I'm super into it. You know, I started that one and this is how long ago it came on. I remember watching it with my ex that I used to live with. Like, it was a long time ago. Oh, really? Yeah, and then I think that we were really into it, and then we broke up, and I stopped watching it just, like, because it was, like, a a show that I... It was a routine you did together. Yeah. I remember I really, really enjoyed it for the, you know, first season that we watched. Yeah, I like it a lot. So that's one of them. The second one is I got these heels to wear to your party. They're they're from Dolce Vita, and I think they're called the Paley heels. Yeah. Grace. They are so comfortable. I always kind of eye roll at you when you talk about your Loeffler Randall pump, like the the sandals that you have yeah. and that you can wear them to walk for like miles and miles and like they totally don't hurt because I've never had that experience with a pair of heels. Oh, like really? even my most comfortable block heel shoes, like if I walk to and from the subway in them from here, like I'm done, my feet hurt. And I've just, I've never had heels that like are well and truly comfortable. I think it really depends on your foot and the way your your foot is shaped because 
a lot of like I like the flat Lulu sandals that you wear. Like I would not like that. I'm actually more comfortable in a low heel, like two inches than a flat. Yeah. I mean, I think it's different for every person, but I, I just, I never had that experience with a pair of heels before. And I wore these heels to your party and realistically, like there was a cocktail hour before. So I was standing for an hour. Then, you know, after dinner ended, we were standing up and then we went dancing. I was like, all told, I was probably on my feet standing in heels for like four or five hours. They were so comfortable. Wait, I just looked these up. I have these in yellow. They're great. So comfortable. So comfortable. Like shocking. I didn't see your, which color were you wearing? Silver. Oh, pretty. It was like, it was so shocking to me how comfortable they were. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to order a tan pair too. Yeah, they're great. They're so cute. I love the braided straps. Yeah, it's really cute. Yeah. So those are my other obsession. And then this is like an obsession in progress. So the, the afternoon of your party, I decided that I wanted to wear fake eyelashes. So I went on this like quest. At first I went to Sephora, but they didn't have – they only had strip eyelashes. And I wanted the individuals. And so I ended up – I went to CVS and I got some there. I want to become a fake eyelash person. Really? Yeah, for like special events. Like I think they, whenever I get my makeup done and they put on false lashes, I just feel like I look so good. So I remember when we would do our live shows and we get our makeup done, you were always obsessed with getting lashes and it would make my eyes get red and like irritated and things. And I didn't like it. I never wanted the lashes. Oh, I love lashes. But then I felt like I had to get them if you had them because then one of us had eyes that disappeared. (laughs) I love, I love the way I look with fake eyelashes. I feel like it's like, fun and dramatic and like I don't know have you considered getting lash extensions I used to do that years ago yeah I'm I'm way too lazy for that with the maintenance I just want to be able to like trot it out for a for a special occasion like I'm not going to do this every day but best I I ever looked was when I'd get those (laughs) oh yeah I'm sure that that would be like the right answer if but I'm too lazy for it the maintenance was too much for me too yeah so I'm I'm I brought back the rest of the package with me and I'm going to like, I don't know, I'm going to get into this. I feel like this is going to be my new thing for like fancy like nights out. I love that for you. I got to tell you, I've been using the Grande Lash Serum and my lashes have gotten so much longer. So I've been really into that plus either the Beauty Counter Mascara or the new Ilia Mascara. I kind of mix up between the two of them. Yeah. What's your obsession? My obsession, well, I just loved last night's episode of only murders in the building. I just, I'm still thinking about it. It was just so cool the way they did it. And I've just never seen anything on TV quite like it. That's the, if anyone's listening, it's the ASL episode. The other, the other obsession, it's, I'm been watching so much TV and so many movies is clickbait on Netflix. Have you watched it yet? No, I saw it in the top 10 and I, for some reason I thought that it was going to be scary and I was like, this is not for me. So it's not scary. It is a thriller. Honestly, it's like going to haunt me for a long time. It's it's really good. Can you give me like a high level of what it's about without any spoilers? Yeah. Or Okay. So there's this girl, I think Zoe Kazan. She was in The Big Sick. I just remember her from that. She, Her and her brother are like really, really close, but they also fight a lot. And one night, like there's a family dinner and she goes home. And they're kind of like on edge with each other. But then the next day she's at work and her coworker pulls up this video and it's You also, by the way, get the idea that her brother, who's played by Adrian Grenier, is like this family man and this like really wonderful person that everybody loves and um, could basically do no wrong. 
The next day, she's at work and her coworker is like, oh my God, watch this video. And it's it's her brother, Adrian Grenier, holding up a sign saying that he assaults woman or he rapes a woman. I forget exactly what the wording was. And that he's going to die if when the video hits 5 million views. Hmm. And so then there, the rest of the plot is this whole kind of mystery of like first trying to find him. Um, I, I don't want to say any more than that. And then I'm um, trying to figure out like what happened and oh, interesting. What, what got is it a TV show? Yes. It's, or is it a movie? It's a TV show. I want to say it's seven or eight episodes. I think eight. Okay. I watched the whole thing in like two days. Okay. But I can't commit to anything else until I finish The Americans. Yeah. So it might be a few weeks, but I'll I'll add that to my my backlog. Add it to your list. You know, I will say I watched the first episode a while ago and was like, when it first came out, I was like, eh. And then Nick, who has amazing taste in TV and movies, was talking about it at his birthday party. And I was like, Grace, you have to watch it. You're going to love it. And I did. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I love this. Okay. Yeah. What about What about reading? Okay. So I just finished The New Colleen Hoover, which you got a copy too. Mm-hmm. This is called. I haven't read it yet. It's called Reminders of Him. I mean, Colleen Hoover, like she, she, I love her. But everything she writes, you never know what you're gonna get. Like Verity is. It's so true. Verity is one of the scariest books I've ever read. Then there was Layla that went like with a whole sci-fi twist. Then there's like, there was one that was about domestic violence. There was one about a car crash. Like there's just like really dramatic things. This one was also very dramatic and. I will tell you, I sobbed at the ending. So it's kind of a redemption story. I've sobbed at a lot of her books. So I'm not surprised to hear that. I was just like sitting there yesterday. So one thing I do when we – I meant to say this um, in the the burnout talk is after I do a task that I don't really want to do or a task that kind of depletes me, like for me it's it's, – I don't want to say I don't want to do it like – Recording and shooting both just take a little bit of energy out of me. So I usually give myself a half hour block to read after I do those things. And I usually do these things later in the day so that I end around five. So yesterday I finished shooting at five and I sat and for half an hour and read. And I finished the book and I had put on all this, not all this makeup, but I'd put on like eye makeup and stuff because I was shooting. And I was just sitting there sobbing. Like the the black mascara like was just running down my face. Like it was very dramatic. But this is like a redemption story. This girl, there was a horrible tragedy in the past. It was her fault. And she moves back to the hometown where it all happened. She um, she was in prison and she had a daughter while she was in prison. And all she wants is to like form a relationship with the daughter. But um, her old boyfriend's parents will never let her do that. And um, there's also a love story in there. And I loved it. I mean, it's it's light. It's not, you know, great literature, but it's just – it really scratched an itch. If you want to cry, like, read this book. Well, this one's not out yet. It comes out in January, right? Yes. I meant to say that. Sorry. Like, pre-order this book and save it for when you – You're, like, want, giving like, it the hard sell. I'm sorry. I you're hate, like, by the way, you can't read it. I meant to flag that at the beginning because I hate when – like, I try not to read books, like, too far out. But it was, like, you know, this month it was, like, the new Jodi Picoult and – and um, this one, because I love both of these authors. And then the other book that I just started last night is Good Night Beautiful by Amy Malloy. And this was a book of the month pick. It's a thriller. I don't know much more. It's about a couple that moves from New York City up to like a town. that seems like kind of like the Hudson area. And something bad happens. <laughs> Ooh. 
Well, I don't have anything to add because I I don't think I've read a single word since um, we last recorded because I've just been watching The Americans. So I'm still reading The Perfect Fine by Tia Williams, which is it's not a reflection of the book. I'm really enjoying the book. That's not why I haven't read. It's just I've been watching TV instead. Yeah. So hopefully I'll finish that by next week. But in the meantime, if you are looking for something to read, uh, we announced our October book club pick last week, and we're reading A Special Place for Women by Laura Henkin, which is kind of a romanoclay about the wing or, you know, any kind of like exclusive women's club. And it is about a reporter who goes undercover to infiltrate the wing, kind of like the early wing when, when it was less of a big thing, when it was like more exclusive. So that is what we're reading. We'll talk about it the last Wednesday of the month. I'll also say that uh, there is a huge twist in the book, so around 60%. So I don't know if that's more enticing to you. That made me want to read it to, like, know what the twist was. So, yeah. All right. Um, so in the meantime, if you want more of us, you can fo- join our Facebook group. Bad, just search Bad on Paper on Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram or Bad on Paper Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm Grace Atwood, and then I blog mostly every day at thestripe.com. And I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman, and I also uh, co-write, produce, and direct a series of fiction podcasts called Rom-Com Pods, and you can find them wherever you're listening to this. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.